This is KYUK, Public Radio for the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. On Sunday, February 19th, the K300 Race Committee introduced a new event, the February 50 Doubles Race. Each team was required to have two mushers, and no drop dogs were allowed. There was a 10-dog limit. Additionally, the teams had an option to pull a second sled or have both racers ride on the one sled. There were a couple of age requirements as well. One racer for each team must be at least 16 years old and should be an experienced musher. The second racer must be at least 10 years old, but is not required to be a child. Raymond Alexi's winning streak continued as he and his co-musher Michael Larson pulled off another commanding victory in the February 50 doubles race. Alexi finished 24 minutes before second-place musher John George in the new event, which required mushers to race in pairs. Isaac Underwood and co-musher Connor Andrews rounded out the top three. Mary Paltola returned to Juneau on Friday, February 17th, to make her first address to state lawmakers since becoming the only Alaska Native person elected to the U.S. House. Paltola is a moderate Democrat, bipartisanship is her motto, and this speech was on brand. Alaska Public Media's Liz Ruskin reports. Ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. Representative for the great state of Alaska, the Honorable Mary Sadler Paltola. Paltola says her new colleagues in Congress sometimes ask her about the Alaska model. She was happy to learn they were referring to the state legislature's long experience with bipartisan coalition leadership. I think people ask me about this Alaska model because they realize that business as usual in D.C. isn't working anymore. Slowly and surely, the partisan rancor from recent years is losing its appeal. People are remembering that politics, first and foremost, should be about fixing things and not just launching cable news careers or racking up retweets. Peltola's predecessor, the late Congressman Don Young, always declined the invitation to address the legislature. Peltola was largely unknown in the state when she filed to run for his seat last year. For her, the speech was an opportunity to shape the image she wants to convey statewide as the newest member of the state's congressional delegation. She kept it to 16 minutes, much shorter than the U.S. senators usually run, and devoted a lot of that time to the value of working across the aisle. She passed along wisdom she said she learned from former Alaska House Speaker Ben Grusendorf when he was negotiating the final finance package of the year. There were people who wanted, you know, revenge, you know, um, these, these end of session deals. And he said, no, no, everybody has to save face. And I think that's a real valuable lesson that was very, um, it really stuck with me as a legislator. Peltola represented Bethel in the State House for a decade, starting in 1999. She helped revive the Bush Caucus, a block of legislators that pressed for the needs of rural Alaska. Peltola is also credited with establishing Cuspuk Fridays. Legislators and staff in the state capitol still wear cuspucks, cotton-hooded jackets with front pockets, to mark the end of the work week and give a nod to the native people of western Alaska where cuspucks originate. After her speech, Peltola told reporters she'd rather be remembered in Juneau for more significant deeds, but she said she's come to appreciate that Cuspuck Fridays have helped change the culture of the capital and made rural residents feel welcome. I've heard stories of people who were scared and terrified to be here and then felt a lot more comfortable when they saw that everyone had their cuspuck on. So I'm thrilled that the that the tradition continues and, and to have been a part of it. Peltola's speech this year comes between those of the senators. Dan Sullivan spoke last week. 
Lisa Murkowski's will be on February 22. For Alaska Public Media, I'm Liz Ruskin. Governor Mike Dunleavy added $9 million to his budget last week to address the backlog in the Division of Public Assistance that's left thousands of Alaskans waiting for food stamps and Medicaid. Claire Strempel reports for KTOO. At a press conference on Wednesday, Dunleavy said the money will be spent on hiring contract workers to help state employees get through the food stamp backlog so they're prepared for upcoming Medicaid recertifications. There's also $54 million in the capital budget for improved computer systems in the division. Democratic Representative Andy Josephson says he fought staff cuts to the Division of Public Assistance last session. Now he credits the governor with being responsive to the crisis. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Uh, and it still begs the question of how we got here. And I think that, that there are many questions that remain about that. Minority leader Calvin Schragi says he thinks the contract workers and additional funding will address the food stamp backlog and get benefits to Alaskans. But he has some concerns. Are these temporary workers going to be kept on? Are they replacing state employees? That's one concern. Um, And also, we've heard reports that some of this is a result of understaffing uh, in prior years. And so making sure that we have adequate adequate staffing moving forward, um, that this isn't just a one-time boost to get past a difficult uh, decision and then go back to, you know, slow or or, uh, dysfunctional service. Department of Health Commissioner Heidi Hedberg says the contract workers are in place because the division does not need more permanent staff. We're going to always continue to reevaluate, but we believe that our permanent positions are sufficient. But the union that represents state workers disagrees. It rallied on the Capitol steps last week to ask for more staff for the division. It's filed a grievance against the state because it says the contract labor violates its collective bargaining agreement. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Claire Strempel. A petition drive is underway to repeal Alaska's ranked choice voting. A few hundred people met at a South Anchorage church Thursday, February 16th, to kick off a campaign aiming to put the question on the 2024 ballot. Alaska used the system for the first time last year. It pairs an open primary with a general election that allows voters to rank up to four candidates. Art Mathias, a sponsor of the repeal effort, claims the system puts the whole country at risk. Literally, seriously at risk. If we don't replace ranked choice voting, we will never elect another conservative, and we will only have outside corporations coming up and and buying our candidates and buying our elections. Matthias says he's donated $100,000 to the effort, and the campaign has raised $400,000 from out of state. Fans of ranked choice say it empowers citizens to vote their conscience. Last year, ranked choice changed the outcome in only three Alaska races. In two of those, the tabulations boosted Republicans. In all other races, the candidate who got the most first-choice votes kept the lead. Matthias and other speakers at the kickoff event put the repeal campaign in culture war terms, mocking the left for its embrace of trans people. They they keep preaching that a man can get pregnant until we believe it. You believe it? (laughs) How absurd can this be? You know, and we can't let it go. We gotta stay engaged. We gotta get engaged, or it's gonna get worse. How many pronouns do you call yourself? Organizers will need 27,000 signatures to get the initiative on the ballot. A poll by Alaska Survey Research last month found the majority of Alaska voters would repeal ranked choice if the question is put to them in a future election. This is KYUK News. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. Kuyana for listening. Please share your news tips, comments, or suggestions. You can email us at news at kyuk.org or message us on Facebook.
and stay tuned for news yuktum coming up.